Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Beloved Jay. Awaken the Divine Within. We are here with podcast episode five, Moksha, also known as Total Liberation. So, how's everyone doing? How are you guys keeping up with these energies that are um, very, very intense at the moment? There is, um, I just want to talk a little bit about kind of what's going on in the cosmos. There's a lot of energy surrounding compassion and love and unconditional love. But specifically, well, yeah, unconditional love and compassion. In order to show compassion, we need to know how to be in a space of unconditional love. What is unconditional love? We're going to kind of get into it here. So in the cosmos right now, the way that things are aspected, we are being asked to expand our consciousness. There is an immense amount of spiritual information, spiritual wisdom in the essence of the cosmos right now that is up for the grabbing. Like it is available to you and you have the ability to tap into this cosmic ancient knowledge and download it, receive it, integrate it. And I'm gonna show you and tell you a little bit more on how you can do that in this episode and what it all means. Um, which is kind of interesting that I've been like waiting to get this episode out and it like literally did not want to come out. I tried a couple times and today I didn't even try and it's just happening. So that's how you know you're in the flow with spirit. Like it, it, it shouldn't be something that you should have to force. So in the cosmos right now, the universe is literally asking us to show compassion, not only to ourselves, but to others. And how is the universe asking us to do that at this moment in time right now? Right now, when I'm doing this um, podcast, there is a full moon in Libra, which is the sign of relationships, of partnerships. So at this moment, it is very aspected in our astrological sky to learn how to show compassion through others, through partnership, through um, coexisting with another. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, if you're asked, if you're, if you see if you're being asked to step out into the world and do something with another, the world is drawing you towards another, even if it's friendship, like platonic, familial, pet, whatever, to connect on a soul level with another being. It could be plants, connecting with plants, right? Connecting with stones. Literally, it doesn't have to even be a physical, like a human, right? It could be an animal. It could be a plant. It could be a stone. It could be the wind. Just connecting with some form of soul essence, soul being in partnership. Um, I think it does come down to, you know, trying to create relationship and partnership through other people, but it doesn't have to be that is what I'm saying. Uh, it's just being very highlighted in the sky right now. So first podcast was about illusion and teaching you how to um, recognize illusion, right? And uh, transcend it. The second one was 
teaching you what Ananda Bliss is and how you can attain it in your life. And this one is more geared towards um, moksha is liberation. Liberation from what? Liberation from ignorance. Liberation from illusion. Liberation from the lower mind, from the enslavement of the lower mind. And I think that that is what my ultimate goal here is to do, is to help you liberate your enslaved mind. We all have it in some aspect or another within us to enslave ourselves with our mind. Um... It is a lifelong journey. It's not something that can be learned overnight. It is not something that is to be just taken lightly. Although I do say take everything with a grain of salt, you know, um, and that's just meant for you to take that so that way you can really be in the flow of life, not attaching yourself to anything or anyone or any belief or anything like that because those attachments are what keep us enslaved. So, moksha, total liberation. What is moksha? Is a Hindu term that translate to total liberation from ignorance, okay? It involves being aligned. It is being able to release the program of the mind, being able to release the, for me, the biggest one here is that belief that we, uh, that belief in death, right? That belief that we are not eternal beings, the belief that we are our bodies, the belief that we are our minds. This is what we need to release so that we can attain full liberation. Our soul goes way beyond the physical world, way beyond our mental facilities, okay? And so here in Moksha, it is an opportunity, it's, it's a state in which one gets liberation from ignorance through the completion of samsara which is the cycle of death and rebirth. When you transcend samsara, which is the cycle of death and rebirth, you will then be able to attain moksha. In order to reach moksha, we must first attain self-realization, self-actualization, and self-knowledge. These are all bullet points towards reaching liberation of the ignorance of the mind okay liberation of ignorance of illusion in our human life our highest aim is reaching moksha or at least it should be right <laughs> total liberation from the ignorant mind right so how do we do that we have as human beings here other purposes in life that we need to adhere in our everyday life in order to reach a certain level of awareness, right? There are certain layers. So those, th these layers, these other purposes of a human life are number one, dharma, virtue, and moral life. Like how are you living in life morally and virtually, Virtuously, I'm sorry, not virtually. <laughs> like, ah, that's funny. Anyways, 
Artha, which is income. It is the means of livelihood and your material, how to gain material purpose in life, right? Like, how am I securing myself financially? How am I creating a livelihood for myself and for my family? How am I utilizing my material purpose in resources, right? Am I wasteful? Am I, am I actually paying attention to the carbon footprint on the world? You know, um, am I actually aware of how my behavior has an impact on the environment and other people? And then we have Kama, which is emotional fulfillment, pleasure, sensuality, love, right? And so that's what I feel like this moment right now, we're being highlighted to experience um, Kama, emotional fulfillment, pleasure, sensuality, and love through partnership, through sharing our life with others. So the fourth path here, there, these are... These are purposes of life. And like I have already mentioned, one of those is moksha, is to complete, is to be in complete liberation of ignorance. So that's a fourth path, right? So through Dharma, Artha, and Kama, we reach moksha. But we need to have a balance in all four of these paths. So until a person can attain moksha, they will have to keep coming back again and again in order to experience dharma artha artha kama right in order to learn the lessons of all three if we're not learning the lessons of all three this is why we are constantly repeating in the cycle of life of death and rebirth with is which is samsara right so we're trying to transcend samsara we're trying to learn our lessons so that we don't have to come back here so we can go back home to full liberation being in our supreme self being in paradise and samadhi right so as long as we are not fulfilling these three purposes or four purposes you know reaching moksha is very important it's a very important path towards fulfilling your purposes in life right so but if we're still stuck in the first three we're never going to make it to the fourth path is what this is telling you so we will have to reincarnate again and again through samsara right death and rebirth in order to keep learning the lessons so the person who achieves moksha becomes free from sorrow and from suffering and achieves a state of perfection or what you know um we can perceive as perfection right what is true perfection in moksha, we experience oneness with the supreme self or God slash universal consciousness, right? God is this universal consciousness that exists through the oneness, through the knowingness of your supreme self. The only way to experience bliss and, the, and unite with the divine source is by obtaining moksha. So you see how it all intertwines and and always comes back to the same, the same message of knowing thyself. When we know thyself, all of these other things can be attained. 
So it says, in order to free ourselves from worldly possessions and desires, these are my notes, I'll tell you when I'm pulling from somewhere else, uh, we must walk the three paths of Purushath, which are Dharma, Kama, Artha, in order to get to Moksha. So in the sutras of Patanjali, which I'm going to bust out the book. Oh, I don't think I need it just quite yet, but in the order, in the, in the sutras of Patanjali, which, you know, this is one of my go-to books in all of my podcasts so far, just to, just to, it's just to have a source. Okay. You don't need to understand or buy the book. I'm going to give you what I can. Um, Patanjali mentions the paths to achieving moksha through the five steps, the five branches of yoga. And the five branches of yoga are as so. Hatha. Hatha is the physical form of yoga. Asanas or postures, right? Physical postures. And it's only the starting point. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But we can reach the heights of all other yogas all the other yogas that I'm about to mention, through asana. We need to know the... Okay, so here's... For me, this is super important. (laughs) You can do asana all you want. Like it says, you can reach the heights of all other yogas through asana. But my belief is you can do asana all you want. It's just the starting point. If you do not seek to understand the actual philosophy of yoga the true benefit of it will be watered down. And maybe eventually you'll get it, but I can't say that you will. So the other paths of yoga are also very important. It doesn't mean that you can't focus more on the asana if that is your thing, but it means that we need to also involve the other branches in order to have a full tree otherwise you're going to have an imbalanced tree that is not going to make it through the winter or through whatever i don't know why i said that but all right so raja is the second one and this is mental yoga this is yoga of the mind and it is achieved by quieting the mind so this is designed to quiet the mind through relaxation and meditation. Those Raja mental yoga is through relaxation and meditation. Bhakti yoga is the integration through unconditional love. Like I mentioned in the beginning, universal love. The, this practice is through full integration of your emotions. So like I said, one of the branches or one of the paths was kama, which is emotional fulfillment, pleasure, sensuality, love, right? So here we are with bhakti yoga, needing to learn how to integrate our emotions in order to be able to understand what universal unconditional love is right? This is where compassion comes into play. Compassion, forgiveness, which I will be getting into in future podcasts as well. Um, But continuing on, the fourth branch of yoga is karma. We've all heard of karma. Everybody's familiar with karma. This is the one it's, it's quite interesting because in the world, I think, I feel like before even yoga, people heard about karma, right? (laughs) 
and maybe you don't even understand what it is, but you've heard about it. Oh, karma's a bitch, right? Well, karma's only a bitch if you're a bitch. Karma's only a dick if you're a dick, right? Karma's bad, like you will receive bad karma if that's all you've given is, is, is negativity and done bad, right? And so we're going to go into it a little bit more, but karma is integration through selfless service, being selfless. What does that mean? First of all, oh, excuse me, hold on. I'm about to choke on my saliva. <clears throat> Integration through <clears throat> selfless service through action without expectation of reward. That is the kicker, right? Selfless action without the expectation of receiving anything in return, without receiving a reward. And that means I'm not even expecting you to smile back at me if I smile or, or thank me if I do something nice for you. And I, I understand that it's like, damn, that, that sounds like, you know, a really shitty situation. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter your behavior towards me. If I am coming from an, a, a place of unconditional love, your behavior towards me isn't going to change that. If my place is true, unconditional love, your behavior towards me is not going to change that. And that's how you know you're standing in your true power. That's how you know that you've had integration through your emotions, full integration through your emotions. Okay. It is a superpower. Not everybody can do that. A lot of people these days want to just completely ignore their feelings and emotions. And like I said, that is not a full tree. There's an aspect of that tree that is missing. So this person or whatever, will never be able to fully feel complete without experiencing something on that branch, right? So the next one, Janana. Janana is integration through the intellect, through knowledge and wisdom. So here, the ultimate reality can be found only through the application of the knowledge that you receive through practice. So in Janana Yoga... A, Janana yoga seems to be kind of, unless you're a very intellectual person, it seems to be one of the last, least ones that people tend to um, go towards. Like the book, reading the books and the scriptures and, the, and reading about the philosophy and real depth, you know, learning the true knowledge and wisdom of the yogi, but also integrating with your own internal truth and knowledge, Right. So Janana Yoga is yet another branch that, like I said, may be overlooked if you're not the type of person who maybe likes to read or um, learn. <laughs> uh, so all paths lead to the same central source and they differ in method of attaining integration, but are alike in their shared unified purpose. So Hatha is the access to Raja Yoga, which is designed for the meditative mind. So what does that mean? For those of you who can't meditate, which Raja people that are good at meditating, like that 
are really good at stilling their mind and calming their mind. Raja yoga is going to be like your go-to yoga because you're going to, you know already how to relax and meditate, right? So this is going to be a go-to yoga for you. Whereas somebody from Hatha who maybe has never experienced a meditative mind might have a harder time getting to that meditative mind of Raja yoga. How are we going to do that? With Hatha yoga, with physical asana. So through that physical asana, Hopefully, if you are being guided correctly by your instructors, you will reach a place of relaxation and meditation and be able to also tap into Raja Yoga. Now, Karma Yoga is designed for the active and the energetic. So that person who loves Hatha Yoga and, you know, physical yoga, but also is just very bubbly and outgoing and social Karma yoga is going to be it, it is 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 great for you because this is the act of selfless service doing things for people without needing anything in return. This is a huge path that will definitely help you create some sort of connection and um path towards enlightenment. And We'll get a little bit deeper into karma when I when I bust out the sutra book um, and a specific sutra. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. Bhakti yoga is designed for the predominantly emotional. So those of you who are like empaths, right, healers, those of you who are sensitives, star seeds, you came here with an immense amount of feeling and emotions and there is nothing wrong with that but in this world we, we never were really taught how to um deal with our sensitivities our emotions it wasn't a class that was taught in school right like it wasn't something that a lot of parents focused on um so especially being someone who who resonates with this very very much so um you know, having a lot of feelings and emotion, being able to feel the the essence of the room and other people and where they're at, whether they're happy, sad, angry, grieving, right? If you are that person that is very sensitive to other people's feelings and you are an emotional person, your path is going to be the path of bhakti yoga, of of loving unconditionally through compassion and forgiveness. This is going to be your biggest path. And it'll be easier for you, for right, for people who are already emotional. So with Janana Yoga, this is the path for the intellectual. So that person that really likes to read and learn and educate themselves. Janana Yoga is going to be your best ally because you're, that's going to be that path for you that you can just read all the books and through that something will draw you towards these other other paths. So each person is going to have their own their own predominating paths, right? But we still need to integrate all five of these paths. So the combo of all five branches is considered the foremost approach to integration and self-actualization since it ensures deeper, more rapid and lasting results. Now I'm going to jump over to a course in miracles, uh, chapter six lessons of love, which is also interesting because like spirit just guided me to this specific, um, 
lesson for today. So the lesson of the Holy Spirit. This is the book of Course in Miracles. Um, If you don't know, you'll know. Um, But just take it, like I said, with a grain of salt, because this is very expansive um, information. So at first, if you resist the information, it's okay. The seed has been planted. Just let it, let it come, let it flow as it will. So in the Course of Miracles, There are three lessons of the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to talk about just the third one. And I know that I'm not mentioning the other ones, but obviously I'm not meant to. This is how it's going to go for us right now on this journey. Okay, so bear with me, my lovely souls. When our mind creates conflict. Oh, hold on. By the way, let me rewind. The third lesson of the Holy Spirit, according to A Course in Miracles, which is part of the chapter, Lessons of Love, which is part of the section, The Lessons of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, there are three. I'm going to talk about the third one right now, which is be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. My notes here. When I'm from my notes based on the book, okay? I'm just trying to break it down so I'm not reading you the whole thing, but there is a section here that I do want to read to you. So anyways, when our mind creates conflict, the Holy Spirit will show you true and false. Truth from false, right? When there's conflict in our mind, the Holy Spirit is going to highlight the truth from the false, And teaches you to judge every thought with the light of God. God put this light there and will strengthen the kingdom within you by constantly reminding you of that light that exists within you. Which we have already gone through, Ananda, bliss, supreme self. Your supreme self is the light of God that we are talking about here in the Course of Miracles. What is partly in accord with it, he accepts and purifies. So whatever's in accord with the light, he accepts and he purifies. But what is out of accord entirely, he rejects by judging against. Now, the mind is always in conflict with spirit. This is our ego, our lower mind, as we talked about in the last podcast. This is the illusion that I talked about in the first one. The illusion is that ego and spirit are in conflict. And this is the concept that God wants to shed light on. Now I'm going to read this whole next section. I've kind of skipped around, so I'm not giving you everything that I'm because we'd be here all day. The Holy Spirit does not teach you to judge others. I want to highlight this because I know that for me that thought came up when I read that other that those last two sentences about he rejects by judging against. He's not teaching you to judge others because he does not want you to teach error and learn it yourself. He would hardly be consistent if he allowed you to strengthen what you must learn to avoid. 
In the mind of the thinker, then, he is judgmental, but only in order to unify the mind so it can perceive without judgment. This enables the mind to teach without judgment and therefore to learn to be without judgment. The undoing is necessary only in your mind so that you will not project instead of extend. God himself has established what you can extend with perfect safety. Therefore, the Holy Spirit's third lesson is be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. There must be no exceptions. Although there may be a temptation to make assumptions, this is where our consistency is called upon despite chaos. Now, the next couple lines of part four. Yet chaos and consistency cannot coexist for long since they are mere since they are mutually exclusive. As long as you must be vigilant against anything, however, you are not recognizing this mutual exclusiveness and still believe that you can choose either one. By teaching what to choose, the Holy Spirit will ultimately teach you that you need not choose at all. This will finally liberate your mind from choice and direct it towards creation within the kingdom. Spirit is pretty much saying here, choose with God through the Holy Spirit and I will lead you to the kingdom. I will lead you to liberation. Choose through me, with me. Not with ego, not with lower mind, not with illusion, not with the lower mind of ignorance and illusion and ego. Choose with me, Atman, soul, God, supreme self, and you will be liberated. And then I'm going to close with the sutra from Patanjali, um, <clears throat> 1152. Let's see. This is the section of the book um, on practice. And it's in there because, like I said, um, Patanjali... Um, pretty much is telling us that through practice, practice of the five branches of yoga, practice of the th four paths of um, purusat, purusharath, purusharath, <laughs> um, is how we will then reach full liberation of ignorance. So Sutras of Patanjali 11.52, it says, then the covering of the illumination of knowledge is weakened. And now I'm going to read directly from the book so you know that I'm getting this information directly from this book. <clears throat> Prakasa, illumination, 
is a synonym for sattva, which is spirit. The covering of illumination, says Vyasa, is ultimately karma. The covering of illumination, spirit, is karma. And what was karma? Integration, selfless service. Okay, so bad karma, the covering is, so anyways, let me keep going. Is ultimately karma and is, and this is destroyed by the practice of pranayama. So Vyasa is saying here that through pranayama, breath work, which you can receive through asana or breath work, pranayama techniques, he says karma can be destroyed. He quotes a verse that speaks of karma as the net of illusion, the great net of illusion, net of great illusion that covers sattva, soul, spirit, and impels one to commit immoral deeds. So he's saying through karma, the net of great illusion covers the soul and through that the soul commits immoral deeds so now going back to our paths right dharma is virtuous and moral life so then now this creates our dharma right continuing we recall karma we recall consists of actions that are all recorded in the Chitta, which is the mind, as samskaras, as obstacles, as um, blocks, obstacles, and that fructify at the appropriate time, conditioning one to act in certain ways. Repeat, conditioning one to act in certain ways. This is all due to the net of great illusion that karma places upon the soul. And it is recorded in your mind as an obstacle. It's an illusion. Karma is in this sense synonymous with the storehouse of samskaras, which trigger the behavioral patterns and preconditioned attitudes, perspectives, or responses to the world such as the immoral deeds mentioned by Vyasa. So let's say you had a past life and you were not a good person and your memory, your hippocampus, restores the memory of that past life. And there's this karma of remembrance of these immoral deeds through your condition, behavioral patterns, these samskaras, these blocks, these... Um, These blockages, triggers, roots—they're right. They're 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 deeds and memories that we have stored from these past lives of these behavioral patterns of these preconditioned attitudes, perspectives, and responses to the world. Like for instance, if I had a phobia of of spiders in a past life. Maybe I died from a spider bite in a past life. I might potentially come into this new life with a fear of spiders. 
This is what I'm talking about. These samskaras that are etched in our memory, in our soul, and that are withheld in our hippocampus through that memory. Hypothalamus, the hippocampus, one of the two. I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong. It's one of the two. It is a net of illusion because, like a net with many knots, when the mirrored samskaras fructify, they channel awareness away from its source, Atman, and absorb it in conditioned patterns of behavior, karma from your past. The sattva of the mind forgets the true nature of the purusa and becomes enamored by the objects of the senses. So instead of being drawn by spirit, we're being drawn by the material, right? Which we know is an illusion. It's not real. So purusa, or I'm sorry, (laughs) pursuing these sense objects, additional karma is produced. So let's say... I, my, I, I have a karma over my soul. I am, I am not, um, I'm being drawn towards something that is a condition of my past. Let's say, for example, an addiction, c- cigarettes. It could be literally a, a, a past life where you have that addiction. You have that memory still in your conditioned in a pattern in, in your behavior when your soul is, is, covered with that karma then you're cycling on that pattern right so then it's going to lead you towards something that is also going to add additional to that karma so i'm i'm going to go to that addiction and i'm going to keep feeding that addiction so it's going to keep adding to that karma and thus the mind remains further trapped and entangled in this net of action and reaction right because you can't you can't get out of the cycle of the perpetuating pattern of karma. First, we have to remove the karma by how? Pranayama, awareness, knowledge, and wisdom. Says, in this sense, it is karma that sustains ignorance, the covering of knowledge, the misconception that the body and senses are the true self. Like I said, my goal is to fully liberate you from the reality that this physical body and that the physical senses of this world are the only real thing that exists. There is something much more profound and deeper connected than this physical body, my mind, and the senses of this world. So... I'm going to repeat that last one. Karma that sustains, it's the karma that sustains ignorance, the covering of knowledge, the misconception that the body and senses are the true self. As we've seen in the last one, it is not your true self. The Atman is your true self, which was not the body and was not the senses, was not the mind. It's the soul. Although technically only knowledge can ultimately destroy ignorance, it is only when the covering of karma is weakened that knowledge can shine forth unobstructed. This covering of karma is weakened by how? We already said practicing pranayama, breath work. 
Vyasa quotes a verse that says, there is no greater ascetic practice than pranayama from which defects are purified and the light of knowledge shines forth. Um, Manu says, from the performance of pranayama accompanied by the repetition of the Om Mantra, the impurities of the sensory powers are burnt away. And then to the next month or to the next sutra, additionally, the mind becomes fit for concentration. Now, when we have removed karma from the mind as a covering of a blanket of our spirit, right? Karma is removed. We are now capable of attaining true knowledge from within, of connecting to our source self, supreme self, knowledge of our true Atman, pure bliss, joy, full liberation from ignorance. All right, y'all. Sorry if my washing machine in the background was making a lot of noise during this uh, podcast. I, um, you know, I'm, I've got my, my humanly duties that I've got to also do amidst all of this wonderful spiritual uh, work that I do as well. So thanks for showing up. Thanks for uh, supporting my channel. I am truly grateful for each and every one of you. Until next time, so much love and light. Namaste.